coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming turning point moment. <clears throat> yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. We're starting a brand new series today called Campfire Stories. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, Campfire Stories. Yeah, that was that was all right. That was okay. Made up for the video. And uh, so, is, is, like, I love, I, there's something about a campfire in summer. Like, you know, whether it's in your backyard, whether it's out, like, at a, you know, like a campground, there's just something about it, the crackle, the burning, the smoke. I mean, you really stink by the end, but that's all right, because as long as your closest friends are smelling with you, it's fine. And there's just something about sitting out on the patio and, and having that amazing fire experience. And I, I don't know about you, but we always take a trip down memory lane and, you know, talking about the, the good old days, the fun stories. And as a kid, see, I was never like, I wasn't really into like the whole like, ghost story thing, so that wasn't really my jam. The most terrifying stories I ever heard was when I was at Bible camp in grade seven at Pemina Bible camp, and we would one night decided to talk about the book of Revelation and the end of the world and apocalypse, and we talked to like one in the morning about the mark of the beast and dragons eating people and raptures, and that was like the scariest thing. We, we, I was cured of the campfire story syndrome, but you know, you get around the, sto- the fire and you start talking and, and telling stories, you're remembering those things, and let's be honest, when, you, when you're telling the story, you know, like a story from like five years ago about your glory days, it's, it's always a little better than it actually was. Like, and your memories are a little fonder of it, and the further away you get for, from it, the more amazing that it was. It's like, you might be telling a story about the time you, you and your friends jumped in a car and drove like 170 miles an hour, kilometers an hour across a Saskatchewan, and by the time you're done telling the story, you're saying like it was 220 kilometers an hour, and there was cops chasing you, and it was like an incredible thing, and it just keeps ramping up over time. It gets bigger and better and bigger and bigger, and you remember it more fondly, and you were think you were better than you were, but you weren't as good as you thought you were, but that's okay because that's what's happening. Why don't we turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. Faith comes by hearing, comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ. We get faith when we, when, we, when we hear stories, when we hear teaching, when we hear preaching, when we read the Bible. We, we gain faith when, when we hear um, somebody else's, you know, in, in Christian language, we call it testimony of the things that, that God has done. It kind of builds us up and encourages it us. And, and I think, you know, when we think about the Bible, I kind of think, like, the Bible is just this, this giant, like, book of testimonies and stories that's just there to build us up. You know, Romans says that the Old Testament is for our learning. All of it's for our benefit. And so when we read it, it just starts to, to encourage us. Like, I love, I don't know if you can think about your, like, favorite Bible accounts, some of your favorite Bible stories. And, like, I think about uh, Joshua 10 when uh, the Israelites were going into battle and they needed to fight this battle. And so the sun just stood still in the sky so that they could kill all the people they needed to kill. It just stopped. Just sun stood still. The Bible says, so the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. It's like they needed the daylight to kill them, so the sun just stopped. I love that one. What about 
Judges, uh, Gideon in Judges 7, when he takes 300 men, he started with an army of 20,000, Lord's like, that's too many, 10,000, down, down, down to 300 guys. And those 300 men to fight defeated 120,000 soldiers from the enemy. I love, I love those stories. I think about uh, a widow. She was about to lose her sons to debt collectors. In those days, if you couldn't pay your credit card bill, they didn't send you to collections. They just took your children. Some of you are like, all right, I've got three. <laughs> Vanessa's like, I got a few to spare. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> well, that seems like a great solution. <laughs> they're, 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 they're what got me into this situation. But she's freaking out because she's a widow and, and her husband passed away. She can't pay her bills. And, and she's in this situation partly because her husband served the prophets and was like a, a great man of God. He's that guy that was at church all the time. He was volunteering. They gave faithfully. And she sees Elisha and she's like, Elisha, this is because of you and your God. Do something. And he's like, okay, um, what do you got around here? What do you got around? He's like, get me, get me, a, get me a cup or something. And they they get a few cups, and he says, just start pouring this olive oil, and uh, God's going to take care of you. So she starts pouring out this olive oil, and it fills the cup. And he says, get another one. And he fills another cup. He fills another cup. And he fills another Get some buckets. And now her faith is growing a little bit. She's like, she's like okay, boys, uh, I need you to get me more cups. I need you to get me more bins. I need to get you more containers. They're grabbing boxes. They're grabbing Tupperware. She's like, barrels, you know, like get all of it. And it never stops pouring, and God tops her up, and she's able to sell it all off, pay off her debt. And live out the rest of her day. Retirement fund in one moment. I love these moments in the Bible. You might say, oh, well, that's Old Testament. Like, God doesn't work that way. We don't kill people anymore. <laughs> that might be true. But what about the New Testament, the feeding of the 5,000? Anyone, anyone like that one? Loaves and fishes. Not 5,000, more like 20,000 because they only counted the men. They didn't count the women and the children. There's all these accounts, story after story after story, and I read it. I'm like, man, this is unbelievable. This is amazing. I think about Peter and John on their way to church, stopped by uh, the layman, and he's like, silver and gold have I none. He's like, give me some money. He's like, I got no money, but I'll give you what I have. And he grabs him by the hand. He pulls him up, and he can walk in a moment. I mean, that's an exciting way to come to church. I don't know what you did on the way to church. <laughs> But Peter and John are just like healing people. Like, you can walk, and you can walk, and you can walk. I might be broke, but I'll give you what I got. I'm like, wow. I love Acts chapter 8 where Philip, God tells him to leave the greatest revival meetings that were happening on the earth. He's like, I think it's time for you to leave church. He's like, did I hear God right? <laughs> He's like, just start walking down this road, which is the equivalent of, of him saying to us, Hey, how about you leave right now and you just start walking to Calgary? And he runs into this guy in a chariot beside him who's reading the scripture. And Philip says, can I help you with that? And he jumps in. He starts explaining all the things that the guy doesn't understand. The guy says, I need this in my life right now. I need this Jesus character. Pull over. They pull over by the side of the road. They jump out. He baptizes them in the water. And the best part, Philip gets teleported to the next place instantly. Just gone. Vanished. Gone. Disappeared. The best science fiction. Star Trek comes from the Bible, by the way. <laughs> the best science fiction ideas come from the Bible. And so I, 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 read, 
I read these things. I think about even Elijah. Does any, anyone know the one about Elijah where he's actually fed by ravens? Where he's, he's literally running away in a mountain. He's fed by ravens. I heard Pastor Jay Hazlip uh, at the People's Church 50th anniversary uh, shared that some of research he discovered that some of the bread that they would have taken most likely would have come from the very king's table because they were the only ones that had scraps left over. So God literally fed the prophet who was hiding from the king from the king's table. And so I look at these stories and I read this scripture. My faith comes alive. My heart's like, man, this is unbelievable. What a God we serve. And then I ask this question. heard the stories, I've read the verses, but why not now? Why not me? This is, and we call this our manual, right? It's our gold standard. We don't do anything unless it's by the word of God. So, what would a church look like? What would my life look like? What would your life look like? If we didn't just read the story, if we began to live the story. If we didn't just read the rules and live by those and ignore <laughs> the incredible power and presence of Jesus. It's at work and available for each and every one of us, for all who believe. What if these words on a page started to jump out and they started to sound more and more like the narrative of your life, your journey? What would your family look like? What would my family look like? What would my everyday look like? What would coming to church look like? When Peter and John came to church, people just got healed on the way. I mean, we might have to keep you away from gas stations on Sunday mornings because things could start breaking out at the shell next door. <laughs> what if we stop looking at this as just a historical document and started looking at this as a launch pad where Jesus said, because he, he literally said these words in John 14, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Jesus, like we read these accounts of Jesus feeding 5,000 people, and he says, oh, yeah, that was great, but I can't wait to see what you're going to do. I can't wait to see what was going to happen with Ashley or with Matt or with Nat. I can't wait to see what's going to happen well, when, when, when Charmaine grabs a hold of this and she starts living. Like these, these things, these are just the beginning. It's the tipping point. The Bible also says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if it's the same today, then when we read these, we go, this is a nice historical document of the things that God used to do. Didn't we just contradict his very word when he said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if it happened once, he can do it again. He wants to do it again. He doesn't, it's not always going to look the same. It's not always going to feel the same. I think sometimes we confuse the supernatural and the spectacular. We like the vibes. We like the feels. We, we want to know what it feels.
feels like to be in the moment. But can I tell you, when I think about Peter and John going to church, they were doing something that they did every day. They would go to the temple all the time. And it literally kind of looked a lot like this. Uh, Brendan, I'm going to need you for a moment. If you could be a lame man on the stage. So lie down. You're basically paralyzed. You've been there for a long time. So <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're looking good, by the way. <laughs> I like this even better. Put this on your new Facebook profile. Um, and so Peter and John are literally just walking to church, and most people are, like, stepping around and avoiding this guy, which is kind of what we do when we're downtown, right? You just kind of like, oh, walk a little faster. <laughs> or we go, like, I wonder what this guy's problem is. You're in my way, you know? But Peter and John just simply walking up to the church building go, oh, hey, man. And he goes, give me some money. Money. <laughs> and I'm like, I got no coins. I'm only carrying cards these days. Apple Pay, if you know what I'm talking about. Silver and gold have I none. But here, let me give you what I got. <laughs> Great job, Brennan. And then he had a little bit of a celebration where he literally rolled up his mat and started jumping around and celebrating. And people were like, people actually, after that happened, because we'll call him Brendan for today, was celebrating so much that he could walk in just a moment where someone just grabbed his hand. The power of God was so normal. It was so alive. Literally, Peter and John were like, all right, well, here, let's, uh, okay, let's, let's keep moving. Let's got to get into the service. People started pouring out of the service because they heard him celebrating. They're like, this is the guy who's been sitting here collecting money for years, for decades. I wonder what that feels like. That must be so amazing. It feels like you walking into church and going, here, uh, the power of God is so active and alive in my life that I believe that he wants to do something for you. All right, I'm going to go now. That's what the Bible looks like. That's what the Bible feels like. Sometimes we think it's like this big imaginary puff of thing where people are like, floating in, and it's like they, they obviously just have these feels, and they have all the vibes and the emotion, right, and the worship's incredible. No, these are just people going through their everyday lives, but the power of God is just so active and alive, so much a part of their everyday, that these things just happen and change everything. So it brings me back to the question, why not me? Why not now? Acts 1 verse 8, when Jesus is leaving the earth, he leaves a few parting words and he says, So you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witnesses. See, when we think about the campfire stories, sometimes that's how we think about the God story. We know somebody who knew someone where something happened, and then we tell those stories over and over and over because we're holding on to it, and we haven't seen it for ourselves, but we're just going to believe in this story. And we tell the story, and it goes from place to place to place and person to person to person. And then it always comes back around to me, and I go, why not me? 
Why not now? Why not me? Why not now? See, Jesus used an interesting word. He said, you're going to be my witnesses. This word in Greek is literally, <laughs> in its original language, literally means witness. <laughs> like trial witness, like on a stand, you're going to testify to a legal proceeding. That your word carries weight beyond just what you would say to your friend. It's as if you're up on the stand and you're going to swear the oath and tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, even if you can't handle the truth. So if we're going to be God's witnesses, don't you think that Jesus' intent was that we would have things to witness about? Not just somebody else's thing, but your thing too. But because we sometimes exchange the spectacular for the supernatural, we short-circuit God at work in our lives because we go, he's not doing anything in my life. Really. Nothing at all. Nothing. He's done nothing. He's like, well, how'd you get that job? I don't know. I have no idea how I got it. It was luck. I was so lucky. I can't believe I got it. Yeah, God's not doing anything in your life, is he? No. Man, I just put my resume in at the right time. Yeah, he's not doing anything. Like, what about that house? Yeah, no, I don't know. The price just dropped, and the, the situation was right. And, man, it was incredible. We got everything just, just on time. The paperwork got filled. Must have been a mistake somewhere. Oh, so you're telling me, like, God's not working in your life? No, I, don't, I can't find him. You know who doesn't talk to me? God. Oh, he doesn't talk to you at all. He doesn't speak to you. Uh, have you ever prayed? No, not much. <laughs> but, you know, what? I really feel like, I need to do this with my life. But God doesn't talk to you at all? No, I just have these feelings. Okay. And so we begin to short circuit God at work in our life. The Holy Spirit at work, speaking to us, leading us, guiding us, causing things to work together, moving us forward. We're like, oh, man, I just wish God would do something. I just wish he would be around, be present. I think sometimes he might think the same thing about us. We have to remember, well, today is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday is the day the Spirit of God poured out, poured out on all men, on all people. Today we're talking about that same Holy Spirit at work. Same Holy Spirit moving, speaking teaching, same presence of God. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we either talk about him because it's a person of God, it's a person of the Trinity. We usually talk to him about him like our crazy uncle. We're like, oh yeah, we like Jesus, but this Holy Spirit character, things get really crazy when that guy gets around. So we put some distance, maybe because it makes us uncomfortable. Or you're fully embracing And sometimes you feel like that gives you social license to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, in the name of God. And then there's, I think, a lot of us who want all of Jesus, who want all that's available to us, who wants to 
see this book not just be stories and lessons, but become a roadmap to God pouring out in our own lives. We go, how do we, how does this all work? How do we take the step forward? I don't want to be a weirdo. Can I tell you, this is, this is how, this is how it works. We all like the weird that we like. For what's, what's weird for you might not be weird for somebody else. And so we just like what we like. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, and it comes to videos that you watch on YouTube or things that you've seen, there's some stuff that is 100% of God, and there's some stuff that's not. And there's some stuff where people just want it so bad that they begin to take on behaviors and mannerisms to just let that one thing happen again. And so for some of us, it's weird. For some of us, it's normal. For some of us, it's like our crazy uncle. And for others, it just makes us uncomfortable. But Jesus and the Holy Spirit is not intended to make you uncomfortable. In fact, he's the comforter. <laughs> he brings comfort to your life. He brings peace to your life. He's, he's a paraclete. He's the, the, the helper, your advocate. He speaks on your behalf. He speaks to you. He prays for you with, with groans and utterings like, like that I can only describe as walking down the delivery ward of a hospital. You know, just like you hear a lady giving birth, and it sounds a lot like, ah! Come out now! You know? Those, those guttural cries, and, and, and the Holy Spirit loves you and cares for you so much that he's, he's praying constantly for you in groanings and utterings that we can't even describe. So we can be afraid, or we can say, I believe in the Father, I believe in the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and I believe that God at work in my life. This might seem a little heretical to some, but we'll just go there and we'll see where the chips fall. That's a little bit of a joke, but that's fine. I like to think of the Trinity as the A-team. Yeah, the A-team, like Mr. T A-team. This is, this, is, this is my best analogy to explain the Holy Spirit. Has anyone seen the A-team? The original version? Yeah. Anyone see the new movie? New, no, not new, newish. I like to think I like to think the A team, and this is and this is what I mean by that. So there's a guy named Hannibal, and he's the planner. You know, he plans everything. That's the Father, that's God the Father. I like to think of Jesus as the face. He's the face man. And I like to think of the Holy Spirit as Mr. T. It's the power. It's the might. It's the breakthrough right there. He drives in that weird van right through a wall. That's the power. That's the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, that's the best way that I can come up with describing, describing the Trinity, describing the Holy Spirit, the power of God at work. See, God the Father, who Jesus was always in contact with, he's got the plan. Jesus is his face here on earth sent. His name, Emmanuel, God with us. And any time Jesus did something, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So if we read the Bible, we go, man, I want God at work in my life, but I don't want the Holy Spirit at work in my life because that scares me. Then we can't do what Jesus did because Jesus did everything that he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, I'm not anywhere on my notes. That's fine. In this story, in this series, Campfire Story, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be digging into some of those favorite stories, maybe some ones that you haven't read yet. And we're going to see the power of God at work. But more importantly, these accounts are going to cause us to think, to question, to ask, to pray, and to believe for greater things in our own lives. Why not me? Why not now? Why not me? Why not now? Why not me? Why not now? When Jesus came to earth, he started his ministry right after he was tempted in the desert. He dropped these words on us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. <laughs> Sounds like good news to me. Captives released, blind see, oppressed set free. The time of the Lord's favor has come. That was Jesus' mission on earth. But you know what's incredible? When he utters the words of Acts chapter 1, that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When he, when he drops on us the great commission, he says, you should go and, and make disciples of the nation, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's all getting to the same point. He loops us back around to his mission. His mission is our mission. It kind of sounds like this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. For he has anointed you to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim that the captives will, re, will be released. That the blind will, will see. That the oppressed will be set free. And that the, the time of the Lord's favor has come. We take ourselves out of the story. We put ourselves on the sideline. We say, we can't do it. We can't do it. God's going to have to do it. It's going to have to be a miracle. We can't do it. We're not going to play any part of this. We're going to let the preacher handle it. We'll let the worship leader handle it. We're going to let the leadership handle it. We, we can't be involved, but God didn't say, I came and died for the pastors. He said, I would that all would be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That you shall receive power, meaning Brendan shall receive power, Matt shall receive power, Vanessa shall receive power, Wayne shall receive power. It wasn't limited to a list of 12 or a list of 500 or even a time period. He says, you shall receive power. And that the things that we've seen Jesus do, he believes that greater things are possible in Melissa's life. When we partner since we're off the rails, we'll take us even further off the rails. I believe this might be part of our problem. 
I'm pointing to the stage. I'm pointing to the fact that I'm talking up there and you're listening down here. And I know why this has happened. It comes, if you want to track back church history, it goes all the way back to Constantine and Rome and the establishment of, of a more formalized church. That's where these ideas of a pulpit comes from. But it's that very thing, this very mechanism, the very thing that we're so passionate about teaching the word of God that at times has left us separated and just passive. Because everything about our spiritual life, coming to church, is passive. We wait for the worship leader to sing our favorite jam, and then we lift our hands a little higher. They don't play the pump-up music, and we don't get clapping. It's hard for us to get into it in the morning. And then we listen, and we go home, and maybe we remember. But we've got this passive thing going on. But in Ephesians 4, he says that, Five-fold ministry gifts, pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, <clears throat> teachers, that they were meant for the equipping of the saints, which means instead of just being the leader up here at the front, my job is to be a player coach who's in here encouraging, pointing you in the right direction, getting a game plan together, and seeing you released into your destiny, you released into your calling you stepping in to the power of God because the it's not Brett shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. It's you shall receive power. It's we shall receive power. It's the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. God wants to do something incredible through you. Not just me. Not just Brendan. Even though he's attractive, he's young, and those are the people that God likes to use, right? No, he likes us average Joes too. In fact, Jesus specializes in reclamation projects. And when we say, I don't have enough, I don't look enough, I don't talk right, I'm not put together enough, my behavior is not proper, I don't dress right, I don't look right, I, I, I say bad words sometimes that must disqualify me from everything that God has for me. We'll save it for the people who've got it figured out. <laughs> if we're being honest, you don't got it figured out, and I don't got it figured out. Matt definitely doesn't have it figured out. <laughs> He's got a new baby. He doesn't even know what time it is. He doesn't know what day it is. He's just happy to be alive. He doesn't even know what he's listening to right now. <laughs> but we're all in this together. And there's no limitation to the power of God to the people up here. It's the same that's available to you, to you, to you, to you, to you. It's the same power at work in our lives. It just so happens that we're configured this way. I mean, I can come. I'm going to come right here. I can come right here. It just gets awkward for Vanessa and Elisa if I just come and stand right here. But here's, here's the truth. God is at work right now. The Holy Spirit is alive right now. He's available for every single person. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the Bible is the God that you're in relationship with now. If you're not in relationship with him yet, you will be by the end of the day, hopefully. 
God wants to do something through you. God wants to use you. He's not finished with you yet. Some of you have written yourselves off and you said, God's done with me. I had my time. I had my era. I'm finished serving. I'm done. We'll let somebody else. There's never a time in scripture when the Bible says, hey, this is the time where you're done. There's only the time when God says greater things. Greater things are yet to come. He's not finished with you. It may look different. It may feel different. It may not even be your preference. Oh, God was going to make me things I don't want to do? No, God's going to ask you to do things that you'd be honored to do. But that's what happens when we, as a body of Christ, as believers say, God's not dead, he's alive. And I want to journey with him in every step, every day. Every day is an adventure. We don't want, here, we say things like, we want to live an adventure. We don't want to live an adventure. We want to live a vacation. And then Instagram about it. Right? We don't want to live an adventure. We want to live on a beach somewhere. Adventures are scary. Adventures are hard. Adventures take courage. Adventures take faith. Adventures stretch you. Adventures are painful. Do you want to live an adventure? Yeah, I still want to live an adventure because I want my life to count. And God said everyone's life count because your life impacts somebody. And every name is important. Every station of life is important. Every job is important because it puts you in touch with somebody else. And God's going to use you wherever you are. You can answer that. We're right here. We'll do it together. <laughs> I'll stop making people uncomfortable. <laughs> Jess, why don't you come? Oh, I don't want to come. I was down here. This is so nice down here. Maybe I'll just get like a seat, a chair. This is even stranger. I was going to preach out of Mark 5. I'm going to have to save that. That's good stuff in there. Yes. <laughs> and you didn't believe in miracles before you came. <laughs> Let's stand together. Sometimes we think, God doesn't want to use me because I, I don't have a platform. Angels. <laughs> I can't do those things because I don't have a platform. Why would anyone listen to me? Why would anyone, like, I, I, don't, have, I don't have a little stage. You've got a stage. People listen to you up here. What's my platform? I got, I got nothing to say. Can I tell you that the greatest platform on the face of this earth is love? The greatest platform is love. You have a platform, and that platform is love. The love of God at work in your life, transforming you, changing you, transforming you from glory to glory to glory, making you more and more like Jesus. And then you taking that very love that he pours into your life and letting it pour out. When we think about spiritual giftings, there's 
1 Corinthians 12, and there's listings in Romans 12. And we go, man, I, we need these spiritual giftings. It's so amazing. It's so incredible. I can't do anything if I don't have any of those. But then it boils down at the end of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, listen, when all of this passes away, there's only three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I don't have a platform. You have a platform. It's called love. You have a platform. It's called Facebook. <laughs> you have a platform. It's called your relationships, your friends, your coworkers. You have a platform. It's wherever you put your hand to. It's wherever you show up to. Why? Because the power of God will come on you. You shall receive power. And then you're going to walk and you're going to be a walking, talking witness of God at work in your life and God at work in the lives of everyone that you come in contact with. You've been listening to The Engaged Life, powered by Engaged City Church. If you like what you heard, check out EngagedChurch.ca.